0: All right, so this is a little different, I gotta be honest. Um, And I'm a little bummed because there's no laugh track. I specifically requested a laugh track that when I say something funny, people would laugh. (laughs) That did not feel sincere, I've gotta be honest. Uh, It's good to be back with you though guys, even in this capacity. Um, Remember, this won't last forever. But um, we're on our series, Enemies of Faith, and over the past few weeks, we've been examining the way Uh, The enemy wants to attack our faith. And we define faith like this, and this is from Hebrews 11.1. It says, faith is confidence in what is hoped for and assurance of what we cannot see. And we said, what is it that we hope for? We hope that God is good. We hope that God is who he says he is. We hope that when Jesus Christ said, I will never leave you and never forsake you, that that's exactly what he meant. And so we have confidence in what is hoped for. And we also have assurance in what we cannot see. And right now, what we can see is a lot of craziness, Um, especially for those of you who are spending a tremendous amount of time watching cable news or on social media. uh, What you are seeing is a lot of craziness. And so it's easy to get distracted in what we can see. But faith is confidence in what we cannot see. And what we cannot see is the face of God. And so what we're asked to put our faith in is a God we cannot see over the things we can see. And at times that can be a little difficult, especially when the enemy is speaking loudly. And the enemy is trying to steal our faith. He wants us to place more uh, hope in the things we can see around us than the God we know is within us. Mm -hmm. And so over the past few weeks, we've been attacking these enemies of faith. And we talked about isolation in the first week. And then last week, we talked about apathy. And we're moving on again today. But it's hard sometimes, man. It's hard to have faith in a God that you can't see face to face. There's a beautiful story uh, in the Bible. Jesus one day was talking to this guy named Thomas. And Thomas, if you've never read the Bible, man, it's a, it's a beautiful story, and Thomas is an amazing character. But he's a man who had followed Jesus for three years. And after Jesus died on the cross and resurrected from the grave, uh, Thomas was hanging out in the room, and Thomas was like, I'm not buying it. I don't believe it. I don't believe he's alive again. And so Jesus walks in the room and walks up to Thomas and says, Thomas, I want you to believe me. And Thomas is like, ah, that's not Jesus. Trust me, guys. And Jesus says, put your fingers in the nail holes in my hands. Mm-hmm. And so Thomas takes his hands and puts his fingers in the nail holes, and then he goes, you know what, I believe. And Jesus says, well, congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, Jesus is like, well, blessed are those who have seen and they believe. And then Jesus goes, but my goodness, blessed are those who will never see and still they believe. And he was talking about us. Mm -hmm. He was like, man, it's going to be difficult some days. Some days it's going to be difficult to tune out the noise and the world and all these things and really focus on that which you cannot see. And he said, blessed are those who will not see and still they will believe. And so we've been dealing with these things to try to hold on to this faith even when we can't see. It's what it means to walk by faith and not by sight. And the enemy we're going to deal with this week, uh, I'm excited about this one because the enemy we're dealing with this week, I'm calling the triad. And if you've ever seen a movie uh, like Lethal Weapon, and by the way, I don't advise going to see that because I, I don't think it's G. But um, if, you've never, if you've ever seen a movie like that, anytime the triad shows up, you're in trouble. So like if you're a police officer and you're like two weeks away from retiring and they hook you up with a rookie police officer, do not fight the triad because that probably <laughs> never works well. But anytime the triad shows up in a movie, somebody's in trouble. And the enemy we're talking about this week is is like a three-headed monster, which is why I'm calling it the triad. It's three things that work together as one to steal your faith. And the three enemies we're talking about this week are this, greed and pride fueled by fear. Greed and pride fueled by fear. And I have no idea how timely this would be. Uh, I wrote this message before any of this stuff really went down the way it is today today. And now it is clear uh, to me why God wanted me to share this message. Mm-hmm. And the scary thing about greed and pride, fueled by fear, or the triad as I'll call them, the rest of this message, is uh, is they often present themselves as virtues. The triad often hides behind the virtues of saving or the virtue of storing up or the virtue of having more toilet paper than anybody else, which is <laughs> strange. Or, or good investments or, or all these things, a greed and pride and fear, often often hide behind things that seem good, things that even make us envious in the eyes of the world. And so that's one of the things that makes these things so difficult to deal with is that no one ever really knows they're suffering from it. I can say this, guys. I've been a a pastor for probably, I don't know, 10 or 11 years now. I'm not really sure. And uh, in that amount of time, no one has ever walked into my office and said, hey, Tommy, I need to talk to you. I am struggling with greed and pride fueled by fear. (laughs) And I know I'm struggling from it because my bank account is completely full, I've got a bunch of cars. My kids are totally provided for. I've got everything I've ever wanted. Can't you see the problem, Tommy? (laughs) Never. In all my years of being a pastor, no one has ever come into my office and said that because the truth is when we're under the influence of those enemies. and guys having things, storing things, cars, money, uh, your kids being provided for, none of those things are bad unless you are gathering all these things, collecting all these things under the influence of greed and pride. Fueled by fear. And I would argue that a lot of people are. Okay. These things can be dangerous. And this isn't a, a message about money. This is a message about the things we hold on to. Because we've come to believe that our worth is the sum total of all the stuff we have. Mm. My time, my right. talent, my money, our physical self, even our families. And into this, into this understanding, into this mindset, Jesus... I mean, he identified this thing long ago. This isn't a new enemy. This one's been around from the beginning. If you go back and read the story of Adam and Eve, uh, whether you believe that story is 100% accurate or not, if you go back and read that story, you will see that same enemy present in that moment. And so Jesus identified this, and he spoke to it in Luke chapter 12 when he shared a parable. And if you've never read the Bible again, Jesus spoke in parables often. And he would do this as, he would tell a story as a way to illustrate a point. And so that's what he's doing in Luke chapter 12. He's talking to his boys and it says, and he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. All right, so hold on right there for a second. He says, I have a lot of extra stuff. I've worked hard. And the truth is, guys, if you are a farmer or you know a farmer, and I am, I'm kind of a farmer because, and Gatsky, you should agree to this if you're watching right now, because I can drive a tractor and I'm planting a watermelon farm. So I'm sort of a farmer, so I get this. Farmers work hard, but, but I believe most farmers would acknowledge that a lot of what they have is given to them in some way because they're, they're sort of um, slaves to the elements in some way. Like a farmer can do all the work and all the things, but if it doesn't rain and there's no water or it stays below freezing too long, uh, farmers can't control that. Okay. So a lot of the work a farmer does is actually, is actually something that was given to them. And for us, a lot of what we have was given to us. Our time in this place, it's, it's on loan. It's given to us. We, yes. we can't decide when it ends. Okay. Our bodies were given to us. We didn't plan these bodies, although I would have. <laughs> I told myself I wasn't gonna say anything stupid on this. Um, <laughs> our bodies were given to us alone. Our families, I mean, as you know, I mean, our families were given to us. That as kids are difficult, and sometimes you get to have them, and sometimes you can't. I mean, these things were given to us. And so everything we have, really, if you break it down, was given to us. Even living in this country, Guys, we live in a country with incredible freedom, but I didn't plan to be born into this place. I'm proud to be here. I'm proud of it, but I shouldn't be prideful in it because I had nothing to do with it. Like I, I, didn't, I didn't decide to be born into a country with freedom. As a matter of fact, if you have running water in your home right now, uh, you are in the wealthiest like 9% of people in the entire world. A lot of what we have was given to us. But for the greedy, prideful person, for the person who's under influence of the triad, they don't see it that way. They believe they earned it all, that they deserved it all. And so the story continues on in verse 18. Jesus says, Then he said, This is what I'll do. And this is the rich man. He says, I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Mm-hmm. Doesn't that always make you think of that song? Eat, drink, and be merry. It's like he's looking at all he's got him, and he's like, man, I've got a lot of stuff. He doesn't consider the fact that some of the things he, he has may have been given to him for a purpose other than him. Like he looks at all this stuff and he says, man, I've got all this stuff. What I need to do is build a bigger barns so that my life can be easier. I can eat, drink, and be merry. His only thought is about himself. And again, this doesn't seem like a bad thing to have a bunch of stuff, but the triad, the enemy is working on him to convince him that he deserves those things. Right, that's, that's pride. Greed, I want those things. And fear, I must have those mm, things. Wow. Mm, wow. And so the triad is at work in the heart of this man. And they always try to hide behind something good. I was thinking recently, um, a while back, I don't know, six or eight months ago, my son was playing Fortnite. And I'm going to try to explain. I know I talk about Fortnite about every (laughs) message. But I'm going to try to explain this in a way everyone can understand it. My son was playing Fortnite. And on Fortnite, you've got on headsets. And I could get into his party without him knowing I was there. For some of you people who are maybe a little older up there, you remember the party lines? where you could pick up a phone and you could hear the conversation on the other phones or maybe, you know, so so this is what's happening. I'm now dipped into his conversation that he's having on Fortnite. Right now, Caden's like, oh, no. And um, <laughs> I heard one of his friends talking, and one of his friends made the language was just, was just terrible. Um, and, and when I heard my son on Fortnite with this kid whose language was so bad, my first instinct was, no, Caden, I don't want you to play on, on there anymore my first instinct was to take my son and protect him and hide him and pull him back out of what i should have been thinking is man maybe that kid is hurting maybe i can use my son maybe i can leverage my son to win this young man to get this man to maybe come to our house and have dinner or invite him to church but my first instinct and i hate to say this but my first instinct was to take what was mine and hide it in the storehouse Mm -hmm. greed and pride fueled by fear hiding under the disguise Mm -hmm. of something beautiful but the truth is, I should have seen this as an opportunity to risk. And I'm not saying protecting your kids is wrong. Obviously, that's right. But when we, when we do it over the possibility of winning souls for Jesus Christ, then it's possible the triad is, is working in our home. It's good, Tommy. Guys, it's hard. Um, it's hard to really know what to do in these situations. But that's why the parable continues in verse 20, and it says, But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. All right, see, see the rich farmer believed that, that his abundance of stuff would equal an abundance of time. But he found out he was far more accountable to God than he thought. And storing up all of these things will not guarantee us more time. It will only guarantee that we live under the chains of pride and greed fueled by fear. See guys, everything we have is going to go away at some point. And the truth is it can either be given away or it can be taken away. And if you live your life storing up things because of pride and greed and fear, whether it's your family or your time or your emotions or your stuff or whatever, if you live your life storing up, holding on to these things because of pride and greed and fear, one day these things will be taken from you. There will be a day when those things are removed. Uh, you know, you've heard the saying, "From my, take it from my cold, dead hands. Well, one day, mm. it will indeed be taken from your cold, dead hands. And if you've held on to things because of fear, you don't get to decide how it's taken. The enemies have dictated that your stuff will one day be removed from you. But there's an enemy of the enemy. God has an anecdote for pride and greed fueled by fear. And the anecdote is humility, humility, and generosity fueled by faith there's a big difference humility and generosity fueled by faith pride greed and fear will make sure that everything you have is one day taken from you but generosity and humility fueled by faith allows you to give it away as part of God's glorious plan to redeem this world but you get the choice you get to decide Philippians, Philippians 2:3, and this is such a beautiful passage, Philippians 2:3, this is the one we are called to emulate, even in times like this it says, "Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. And your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even on a cross. God's money will fade. Your time will expire. Your physical body will not last forever. There will be a day when, when, when your physical earthly family is gone. But humility and humility and generosity fueled by faith, these things last forever. These are the eternal gifts God has given us. This is the model Christ lived for us. And in the words of Jesus, the man who stored up everything out of greed and pride and fear, he was a fool. Um, he might have died with more stuff. But his stuff um, apparently will die long before the story of his generosity. For those people who are, who are full of generosity and full of humility and full of faith, the story of your humility and generosity will outlive your stuff by forever. Because it makes an eternal difference. And we get to decide what we do. You might die with a little less in your storehouse. But if all you have is being used for the glory of God, then you're dying with a lot more glory. So good. There's a a question we must ask ourselves daily, and it's what does God want me to do with the stuff that I have? See, greed and pride fueled by fear, it it causes us to look and say, what don't I have? I don't have her talent or I don't have his looks or I don't have their brains or I don't have that money or I don't have that stuff or that popularity. Greed and pride fueled by fear causes us to focus on what we don't have so that we hold tighter to what we do have. But generosity, generosity and humility fueled by faith causes us to take what we have and say, God, I'm offering what I have to you. And you don't have to have a lot. To be ruled by greed and pride and fear. You just have to make sure that all you have is about you. You don't have to have a lot to be incredibly generous. You just have to make sure that all you have is being offered up for the glory of God. I can tell you this, guys. uh, The person who lives a life of of humility and generosity fueled by faith, they don't have the regret at the end of life. They don't lay in in their deathbed at the end wishing they had more stuff the only regret they might have is they might wish they had had more time to share more of what they have with more people for the glory of God. That's a regret I can die with. It's certainly a regret I can live with. There's a beautiful passage because Jesus Christ wasn't the only person who who lived out this sort of life. Uh, A guy named Paul, who was an amazing man, he wrote a letter to to his buddy Timothy. And in 2 Timothy uh, 4, 6, Paul says this, and I just think it's so poetic and so beautiful for a time such as this. Paul says, For I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the fight, and I've finished the race, and I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all those who have longed for his appearing. Gosh, guys, I'm reading that right now, and it's giving me such peace, even in this moment, for I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. Paul was so fixated on pouring out everything he had for the glory of God. And Paul wasn't the most talented. Uh, Paul would even say, man, I'm I'm not the best speaker. I'm not an eloquent speaker. Paul wasn't perfect. He struggled. Uh, The the Bible says he had a thorn in his flesh that he couldn't get rid of. Um, He also, at one point he writes a letter and he says, man, I want to do what I should do, but part of me wants to do what I shouldn't do. Like Paul struggled, like me and you. Paul suffered relationally. Uh, Paul lost a lot of friends to pursue the glory of God. Paul saw friends die. But as he reviewed all of these things, all of the things he could have had, all the things he had in his past life, all the things he'd laid down, all the things he'd given up, he said, man, I'm being poured out like a beautiful drink offering." Of mm-hmm. And he was like, God, just pour me out. Mm-hmm. Just pour me out. Because he believed that all he had was to be poured out for God. So guys, my question to you today is, what is God calling you to do with what you have? We're in a time where it seems to be uh, glorious to store. I saw on Facebook uh, a story of a guy who had 17,000 bottles of hand sanitizer. I was thinking, well, how many hands did he have? (laughs) 17,000 bottles of hand sanitizer. Like, what is God calling you to do right now with what you have Because in in this moment, in this time is when the church must look different. In this moment, in this time is when, when our faith must call us to have this peace that passes all human understanding. We shouldn't look like the world around us. When the world around us is fighting over toilet paper, we're the ones giving toilet paper up. When the world around us is fighting over food and rations, we're the ones who might take from our own cabinets to make sure others have what they need. We're the ones who are willing to sacrifice to make sure that others experience the glory of God through us and through our good deeds, they may see the love of our Father who is in heaven. Guys, we were created for a time such as this. We were created in a time such as this, not to go hide. And listen, I I believe you might say, well, then why are you having church online? We're doing it because we believe it's wise. But I promise you, we are not hiding. The church is very much alive and active. And this week, we will be in our community. And we will be making sure that others are provided for. And we will be looking out for the least and the last and the lost. And we'll be making sure that we're not isolated. And we're going to do everything we have with what God has given us. Because that is what we exist to do. And so I challenge you right now instead of hoarding more what can we do to help someone else with what we have Mm. greed and pride and fear right now more than ever will say hold 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 but humility and generosity and faith will say let it go Mm. for the glory Mm. of my god guys there are some amazing opportunities this week um the well uh, I just want to—I want to give another shout out to Chuck uh, Sanders, and they are leading the charge in East End, man. And, and we are happy to support them, and we love them, and we're going to be having amazing opportunities to volunteer over there. I would challenge you guys. Um, if you can, if, 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 you're, if you're healthy, if, you, if you're young enough to do this right now, you know, get with Chuck and call him and find out what's going on over there, and we'll put his name on our page and his number on our page. And, and in Sheridan, uh, First Assembly, Sheridan First Assembly of God is doing some amazing things to reach that community. I want you to hear this. We are supporting you. Uh, You are our brothers and sisters and we stand with you and it's my hope that all the people we have in Sheridan will reach out to them and be part of their programs and what they're doing to take care of kids. This is who we are. This is not the time to hide. This is the time to be the light. This is the city on a hill. This is what we exist to do, guys. So be in prayer. Be in prayer, man, about what God is calling you to do right now. Look around your house and before you uh, freak out and store up more, ask yourself, What can we do right now with what we have? Mm -hmm. This is the time to be the church. We are not afraid. And guys, the truth is, if it all crashes down, we are all sure about where we end. This is our battle. And this is how we fight. With humility and generosity, fueled by faith. So So as our worship team comes back up here and we prepare to close with this last song, I just want to ask you guys to prepare your heart to respond Uh, I want to remind you, you can give online uh, to continue to to make sure that we can do the ministries we're giving here. I would challenge you to respond in that way, and we'll put a link up for that in a little bit. You can get involved with the well. You can call your neighbor. If If you have an elderly neighbor, go check on them. Like, it's not rude to ask someone, do you need help? If there's a family down the street with three or four kids, and you know they're on hard times, ask them, hey, can I help you? You are the church. And this is the time when they must see something different in us. So let it shine, guys. Let it shine. This is the time. Our God is good. Our God is prepared. And you, my friends, are the preparation. Be who God has called you to be. We win. I love you. Do what you're designed to do, guys. Amen. Amen.